Hey everybody, and welcome into episode 45 of Jake's Take. I am Jake Heller. Appreciate you guys tuning in once again. Well, it feels like Christmas Eve. Tomorrow, right at about this time, the 63rd running of the Daytona 500. I cannot wait. So I appreciate you guys tuning in once again. Thank you for all of the support on the Jake's Take podcast page on Facebook. Happy Saturday. And it's like I told you guys yesterday, the truck series never disappoints, especially at Daytona. So we'll be recapping that and also previewing today, later today, 5 o'clock on Fox Sports 1, the season opener for the NASCAR Xfinity Series. But before we get into all that, just some housekeeping items to take care of. I forgot to mention it on the show yesterday. There's been a lot of news in the NFL, and it's not just the Tampa Bay Buccaneers winning the Super Bowl convincingly over the Kansas City Chiefs, and it's not about Patrick Mahomes' mother and fiance being pretty salty after the game and all this talk about him having to get surgery. Obviously, there's been a lot of news lately, especially with quarterbacks. The weekend before the Super Bowl, hearing that Matt Stafford and the the Detroit Lions, that they're parting ways. He's being traded to the Los Angeles Rams. And Jared Goff is going to the Detroit Lions. Obviously, it sounds like a very, very bitter divorce for Jared Goff and the Rams. A lot of tension between himself and Sean McVay. And Jared said that he wants to be in a team that he feels appreciated. So obviously, like I said, throwing some shade there at Sean McVay, and I didn't I forgot to mention it on the last show, the Super Bowl show, but obviously with Matt Stafford, you know, the the narrative with him has always been well, you know, he's not on a good team, he doesn't have a good coaching staff, you know, if only he was on a better team. Well, he sure as hell is on a better team now. You've got Sean McVay, the innovative mind that he has. And obviously, you have some very very good weapons too. One of them being Cooper Cup. And you have that defense and Aaron Donald, Defensive Player of the Year. Don't even get me started on that. But anyway, the big news yesterday, about 10 o'clock in the morning, a little before 10 o'clock in the morning, J.J. Watt spoke with Cal McNair and the McNair family and asked for his release from the Houston Texans, and it was granted. After 10 seasons together, J.J. Watt, undoubtedly the face of the Houston Texans. They are parting ways after 10 seasons together. And it's it's pretty crazy to think about how quickly this team fell apart. Because if you go back to January of last year, you're up 24 to nothing against the Kansas City Chiefs in the divisional round. And in a span of less than 10 minutes, just like that, you're trailing 28 to 24, and the route was on. Kansas City ended up putting up 51 points against them that night. And then two months later, Bill O'Brien trading DeAndre Hopkins to the Arizona Cardinals in exchange for David Johnson, who realistically has been kind of injury prone over the last three or four years. And this trade happening because of a lot of tension between DeAndre Hopkins and Bill O'Brien. And then Bill getting fired on October 5th after starting 0-4. 
And also Deshaun Watson and J.J. Watt, undoubtedly the faces of the franchise and just how disgruntled they were with a lot of things being run. And to hire David Culley, David Culley as your head coach, it's, it's amazing how far they fell after undoubtedly being probably the team to beat in the AFC South in the late part of the 2010 decade. So J.J. Watt immediately, little brother T.J., putting up a, one of those GIFs on Twitter, like this, come here, Jeff, you know, basically saying that he wants J.J. to join him and his brother Derek in Pittsburgh. And that's the other thing, too. Marquise Pouncey, their center, announcing his retirement after 11 seasons together with the Pittsburgh Steelers. Obviously a huge, huge loss for the organization, and especially – that offensive line j- just is getting more and more decimated. He's retiring. Alejandro Villanueva, it sounds like. He's played his last snap with the Steelers. Matt Feeler from Bloomsburg, it sounds like he's not going to be back either. And it makes you wonder, it honestly makes you wonder, with Ben Roethlisberger, is he really going to be able to come back for the 2021 season? I know Art Rooney two weeks ago talked about how they were working very, very hard on restructuring his contract to come back for 2021. But let's not forget how Ben Roethlisberger and Marquise Pouncey, how they made that vow to one another that they would retire together. As a matter of fact, Marquise's twin brother, Mike, who spent many years with the Miami Dolphins in the last few years with the Chargers, he announced his retirement yesterday. And with Ben Roethlisberger, Ben took to Twitter probably about I'd say maybe an hour or so after it was announced that Marquise Pouncey was going to retire. And Ben basically said, I don't have any words other than thank you. So some, like I've been saying, some very, very lean years ahead for the Pittsburgh Steelers, if you ask me. But we'll just have to wait and see what happens as far as the quarterback situation goes, the offensive line, running back. It sounds like James Conner. It sounds like he will not be returning to the Steelers in 2021. And, of course, the whole situation with, with Mike Tomlin, his contract expiring after 2021 and how Art Rooney was basically saying that he will be their coach for the future. Y'all know how I feel about that. So speaking of Ben's, you know, that truck series race last night was absolutely incredible, and we'll get to that in just a second. But during the truck race last night, right Right at some point during the truck race, Kurt Busch posted a very, very cryptic video on Twitter. And he's at a bar and he's having a Monster Energy drink. And they have a piece on there with Michael Waltrip saying, you know, Kurt Busch is going to retire after 2021. And Kurt gets up from the bar stool and he's mumbling, oh, this is fake news. And he's on the phone with Rob Gronkowski. Four-time Super Bowl champion now, but him and Rob, they both have endorsement deals with Monster Energy. And so he's FaceTiming Rob Gronkowski, and Gronk is saying to him, he's like, oh, man, don't retire, don't retire, blah, 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 blah. And Kurt gets in his Monster Energy Chevrolet, and he's driving the car up and down Key West. And at the end of the video, 
at the end of the video, he gets out and he's getting ready to hop onto this plane. And he talked about how he's won a championship. He's won the Daytona 500. He ran in the Indy 500. He's done NHRA pro stock. And he said, I've done it. He said, I've done it all. And then he said, is this the end of the road? And then at the, the very end of the video, he's like, I'm out. Very, very strange video. Very, very strange. I, I don't know what to decipher of that. Now, with Kurt, he's going to be 43 years old on August 4th. His contract expires at the end of 2021. He has done a lot of work with NASCAR as far as the next-gen car, which was supposed to debut this year, but obviously has been pushed back to 2022 because of COVID-19. Kurt has done a remarkable job this winter, especially testing at Charlotte, both on the Oval and the Roval, giving NASCAR plenty of feedback as to what works and what doesn't with this next-gen car. And honestly, as far as all the drivers in the garage area go, both him and his younger brother, Kyle, I don't think, I would say those are undoubtedly two of the best when it comes to feedback of what's good in a race car and what needs to be worked on. And so Kurt was on SiriusXM's NASCAR channel earlier today, obviously with everything that was rained out this morning, final practice and Xfinity Series qualifying. And sure enough, he was asked the question, are you going to retire after 2021? You know, you've talked about how you've wanted to drive the next-gen car. And Kurt said, the next-gen has always been on my bucket list, but whether or not that's full-time remains to be seen. We shall see. So I, I just don't know what to make of it. I really, really don't. And if this ends up being his final full-time season, okay. But like I said, I could see him racing at some capacity in 2022, whether it's in NASCAR, whether it's IndyCar, whether he would possibly try another crack at the Indy 500, you know, with, with Jimmy Johnson being 45 years old and doing all of the road course races and street course races for Chip Ganassi, the team that Kurt has driven for since 2019. And there's always been talk about little brother Kyle, how he's always wanted to do the Indianapolis 500. And him and Joe Gibbs, they were finally able to work on putting that into his contract that would allow him to run in the Indy 500. So very, very strange to say the least. And I don't know what to make of it. But if this is his final full-time season, what a great career. And like I've talked about before, Kurt Busch has come a long way as a person. So personally, I hope that it isn't his final full-time season, but only time will tell. So this morning at about 9.30 in the morning, NASCAR, the Cup Series, they were on the track for the first of what was supposed to be two practices for tomorrow's Daytona 500. And it didn't even take five minutes. Immediately, NASCAR had to red flag the session for rain. The rain gradually picked up and they canceled the rest of practice and also the final Daytona 500 practice, which was scheduled for approximately 1230. Along with that was NASCAR Xfinity Series qualifying. That was scrubbed as well. Obviously, they're going off of last year's owner points to set the lineup for today's race. Taking a look at the practice results, Brad Keselowski in a backup car. The fastest in practice by almost 
a quarter of a second over Kyle Busch. Bubba Wallace was third. Third in Daytona 500 practice. His car owner, Denny Hamlin, one one thousandth of a second slower than Bubba. He was fourth. Martin Trex Jr., fifth. Two retired guys working for NASCAR and Fox, Jamie McMurray and David Reagan. Eric Amarola, like I talked about, probably the fastest car for tomorrow's Daytona 500. He was eighth. Ricky Stenhouse Jr., ninth. Joey Logano, tenth. I mean, these are practice times, but nevertheless. The rest of it, Daniel Suarez, 11th. Corey LaJoy, 12th. Christopher Bell, 13th. Quinn Huff, 14th. That's when you know that's the draft at Daytona. Ryan Priest, 15th. Ryan Blaney, 16th. Chris Buescher, Matt DiBenedetto, and Austin Sindrick rounding out your top 20. Chase Briscoe, Ryan Newman, Kevin Harvick. Kevin tweeted after his qualifying race on Thursday night. She's bad fast. Good night. (laughs) And we know how much of a struggle it has been for him and Rodney Childers trying to win the Daytona 500 together ever since they came to Stuart Haas in 2014. 24th was Joey Gase. 25th, Derek Cope. 1990 Daytona 500 champion. Cole Custer in a backup car at 26. Josh Balicki, 27th. And a lot of Chevrolets were getting ready to go out on the racetrack and make laps when the rain came. And those Chevrolets are none other than Chase Elliott, Alex Bowman, Kyle Larson, Kurt Busch, Austin Dillon, Tyler Reddick, William Byron, and Ross Chastain. Just a couple more other items to to go through here. So it still sounds like Greg Ives and Chad Knauss and everyone with the 48 crew at Hendrick Motorsports, it still sounds like they have not made a decision as to whether or not they are going to change the engine in Alex Bowman's car, the pole-winning car, for tomorrow's Daytona 500. William Byron, as far as his backup car, Bob Pockeris from Fox Sports tweeted, it's the same car that William Byron drove to his first NASCAR Cup Series victory August of last year at Daytona. Obviously, that was with Chad Knauss, and that ended up being Chad's Final victory as a crew chief and his only one without Jimmy Johnson. Now William Byron, he was able, him and Rick Hendrick, they were able to recruit Rudy Fugel over from Kyle Busch Motorsports. And we all know about the success they had together in the truck series in 2016, winning seven races and should have won the championship if not for that blown engine at Phoenix. So obviously those are some items to, to keep in mind for tomorrow's Daytona 500. Green flag, approximately 3.05 p.m., but it's Daytona. And once again, we have to worry about none other than the weather. So hopefully, hopefully, they could get the Daytona 500 in tomorrow, whether it would be late in the afternoon or in the evening. We remember the 2014 Daytona 500, which Dale Earnhardt Jr. won. That had a six-hour rain delay and didn't finish until almost 11.30 at night. So last night the NASCAR Camping World Truck Series, their first race of 2021 with Johnny Sauter and defending champion Sheldon Creed on the front row. And immediately, immediately, the accordion effect. James Busher, 2012 champion, I felt heartbroken for him. After five years away from the sport, doing some truck races for Al Nice, and him 
getting into the back of Gustine, pretty much knocking the radiator out, ending both their races right off the bat. And it was a very, very tough night for Derek Krauss as well. Three separate accidents. Finally, about the, fourth, or the third one halfway through, that finally did his truck in. That first stage, total domination by the GMS trucks. Raphael Lassard moving over there after not being retained by Kyle Busch Motorsports. He won the first stage, and sure enough, the Kyle Busch trucks with John Hunter Nemechek and Chandler Smith, they looked absolutely incredible together. John Hunter was able to win the second stage. And like I talked about last night, he will definitely be a part of, he was a part of my final four picks for the 2021 Truck Series Championship. But as we know, Daytona, it only gets crazier the later in the race we get. Ryan Truex, he got together with Derek Krause. Then you had moments like Jordan Anderson getting spun on the front stretch. And Todd Gilliland, you know, Todd, I, I've always felt like he's, one of the more young, up-and-coming talents in NASCAR. Obviously, his father, David, former Daytona 500 pole sitter. His grandfather, Butch, one of the best West Coast racers there's ever been. And I, I feel like with Todd, that the potential has always been there, but a lot of times, the, the luck hasn't. And last night, that was shaping up to be such a great story. David and Todd Gillen running first and second, looking really, really good. And sure enough, Todd's race sort of becoming undone with less than 30 laps to go. One of those situations, him and Matt Crafton, it looked like he got loose and John Hunter Nemechek might have pushed Crafton into Todd. And the next thing you know, all hell breaks loose. Coming off a turn two, Stuart Friesen after the rough, rough year that he had last year, him getting swept up in it. And what was one of the, talking about David Gillen in DGR, his truck team, one of the biggest storylines last night was one of his trucks, Haley Deegan. Haley qualified ninth, and me and Jason Boone, we were texting each other during the truck race, and we both talked about how Haley was running a very good and also a very smart race, too. Running inside the top five at, at several points, dropping back when she felt like things were going to get crazy. And unfortunately for her, she spun and hit the inside wall with about 18 laps to go. But both me and Boone, and I know it's, it's Daytona, but nevertheless, we were impressed how she drove a very, very smart race. And he was asking me, he said, what would be a good race to bet on her? And I said, without a doubt, it'll be knoxville raceway july 9th because Haley deegan has a very very lengthy background as far as dirt racing is concerned i mean even when she won some of those races in the k&n west series sure enough one of them was the las vegas bullring you know which is like i said which is, is dirt so i mean she's like i said she definitely has the talent and the potential and it's like Larry McReynolds talked about, more than anything, it's just all about being able to log laps. Logging laps is the best lesson for any race car driver, no matter if you're 18, 19, 20 years old, male or female. Larry McReynolds said it, that laps on the racetrack beat being in the garage and having, having to work on your truck. So very, very wise words by Larry McReynolds. I love, love his commentary. On NASCAR and Fox. 
But with Daytona, it's always a, a matter of when is the big one going to happen. And sure enough, with about four laps to go, coming off a of turn two, it happened. And I felt heartbroken for Timothy Peters, Timothy, who won this race in 2010. He's always been very, very good at Daytona and Talladega. I mean, everyone always talks about his prowess with short tracks, how good he's been at Martinsville and Bristol, and even even at mile-and-a-half tracks, too. But he's always had a knack for Daytona and Talladega. He's won three times at Talladega in the truck series. And, you know, coming off a of turn two, it was him and Tyler Ankrum, all of the, the Kyle Busch Motorsports trucks, John Hunter, Drew Dollar, and then, of course, Raphael Lassard, Johnny Sauter, Austin Hill, another one that I have as part of my Final Four. So, sure enough, that set up the finish for overtime. And the amazing thing about it was Ben Rhodes had – I've always been critical of Ben Rhodes – with how aggressive he has been on the racetrack, he has made some very, very, some very, very poor decisions out on the racetrack. And ironically, one of them was last year, the fall race at Texas Motor Speedway, when he hooked his now teammate, Christian Eckes, head on in a wall on the front straightaway, and Christian gave him the finger. And now, like I said, they're going to be teammates because Christian will be driving Grand Enfinger's truck next Friday on the Daytona Road Course and in. 10 truck series races this year. But I felt like Ben was aggressive last night, but not overly aggressive like he has been a majority of his career, whether it was while he was doing some Xfinity races for Dale Earnhardt Jr. or obviously his time driving in the truck series for Thor Sport. It's, it's crazy to think about how long he's been driving for Thor Sport in the truck series since full-time since 2016. And I think that's probably some of the reason why he's never really had a chance to get back to the Xfinity series has become because of sometimes he's been reckless out on the racetrack. But last night, I, like the thing with Ben is he's won at Las Vegas, Kentucky. He won at Darlington last year, which is one of the toughest tracks there is. But to me, last night, he was patiently aggressive. And, you know, the pass on Sheldon Creed... And then, of course, what's great about Daytona is the underdog. And Corey Roper, a 43-year-old driver from Texas, driving a truck that I believe used to belong to Brad Keselowski Racing. I believe. I know when Brad shut his truck team down at the end of 2017, I'm pretty sure that I could have sworn I remember hearing that Corey Roper bought some of those trucks. But anyway... He gets the lead on the last lap of the race. And I'm thinking to myself, like, wow, what a great story this would be. Corey Roper, 43 years old from Texas, who barely made it in the race. He was within seven one-thousandths of a second of not making the field. There was a lot of good trucks that went home last night. Parker Kligerman, John Hunter Nemechek, Clay Greenfield, Spencer Davis, guys that probably could have had a good shot to crash the party at Daytona. No pun intended. But... Ben did a really, really good job latching on to the back of Corey Roper's truck. And sure enough, coming off of turn four, how he swung to the outside. And then, of course, there was another crash just right behind them. All of the Kyle Busch Motorsports trucks, John Hunter, Chandler Smith, Drew Dollar, Grant Enfinger, the defending winner of this race, who I had picked to win. Spencer Boyd, who pulled off the upset at Talladega two years ago. Matt Crafton, who always seems to get caught up in a wreck. 
Zane Smith. All of these trucks crash, and Ben is able to beat Jordan Anderson for the second year in a row. Jordan Anderson finishing second in the truck series race at Daytona by the smallest of margins possible. And like I said, Jordan Anderson and Corey Roper, two of the underdogs, finishing second and third. Ryan Truex was fourth. Carson Hosevar, 18-year-old rookie, teammate to Ryan Truex, he was fifth. Sheldon Creed, sixth. John Hunter Nemechek, seventh. Cody Rohrbaugh, who finished third in this race last year, he was eighth. And Chandler Smith and Drew Dollar, they crashed across the finish line to finish ninth and tenth. So this is the fourth win of Ben Rhodes' career in the, the Camping World Truck Series. And whether or not he could finally make the championship for this year and just be a little more patient out on the racetrack, that remains to be seen. But nevertheless, like I said, the truck series at Daytona, they never disappoint. So this morning, we were supposed to have qualifying for the NASCAR Xfinity Series. But like I said, once it rained, it rained really, really hard at Daytona for quite a while. And per the rule book, they went off of the owner points from last year. So sure enough, the four cars that made the Final Four last year, they will be the first two rows for today's Xfinity race at Daytona, which is scheduled to start at 5 o'clock. On the pole is 2020 Xfinity Series champion Austin Sindrick. And second is Justin Allgaier, who seems to be the bridesmaid of the Xfinity Series. Third will be Justin Moneymaker Haley, who won this race. Last year, the August race at Daytona. And fourth is Riley Herbst taking over the 98 car, being vacated by Chase Briscoe as he moves up to the Cup Series. Fifth will be Noah Gregson, who scored the first Xfinity win of his career in this race last year. And Brandon Jones. Brandon Jones, who's been very, very close at Daytona over this past two year or two. For row four, two of the Burtons. Cousin Jeb and younger cousin Harrison. Jeb is Ward's son and Harrison is Jeff's son. Two junior motorsports cars in row five. Josh Berry, who has won plenty, and I mean plenty, of late model races up and down the Carolinas. Finally getting a chance to drive Dale Earnhardt Jr.'s number eight Xfinity car. And Michael Lynette, who scored the first Xfinity Series win of his career. He runs out the top ten. Myatt Snyder driving full-time for Richard Childress this year. He's 11th. Daniel Hemrick, 12th, after some pretty tough years with Richard Childress Racing and Junior Motorsports. To me, this is undoubtedly make or break for Daniel Hemrick. He's, he's in a Joe Gibbs car. He has to win this year in order to save his career. One of the best underdogs of the Xfinity Series, Ryan Sieg, him and his family switching over to Ford this year. After many, many years of RCR cars and engines. And another underdog, Brandon Brown. And one of Boone's dark horse picks, starting 15th, is Brett Moffitt. 16th, another great underdog, Jeremy Clements. And looking through some of the lineup here, starting 25th is Jeffrey Earnhardt. Of course, you can never forget about the Earnhardt name when it comes to Daytona. Little ways down, 31st is A.J. Allmendinger. A.J. is going to do... The full season in Xfinity Series for colleague. And starting next to him in 32nd, Ty Dillon. And like I said, Ty just can't seem to catch a break at all in speed weeks. You finish 6th in the Daytona 500 but miss out 
on a spot in the field by just inches. And then yesterday, having the fastest car in practice for the Xfinity Series, but because this was a part-time team last year, having to start 32nd. But Ty, both him and his brother Austin, obviously I feel like those two are always very, very strong contenders when it comes to Daytona. And, you know, Ty, that, that's the thing out of all the top 10 finishes that he has – what's the word I'm looking for? accumulated in his career a majority of them have come at daytona as a matter of fact the very first top 10 finish of ty Dillon's career was the july race at daytona in 2018 when he finished sixth and he finished sixth in the 2019 daytona 500 and when they went back there in july even though it was Shortened because of lightning and because of rain. The July race in 2019, he finished fourth. And sure enough, when they got to Talladega in October 2019, he finished 10th. But the only top 10 in Ty Dillon's Cup career that wasn't at Daytona or Talladega, it was at Las Vegas, February of last year. He finished 10th, and he finished a career-best third at Talladega, October of last year. But as we know, Jermaine Racing, they closed their doors and Ty decided that it was it was time to try and do something on his own. After all these years of driving for his grandfather and driving for RCR satellite teams, you couldn't have picked a better situation if you're Ty Dillon. Even though it's only four Xfinity Series races for Joe Gibbs Racing, today is one of them. Two weeks from now, his 29th birthday at Miami. And then March 6th at Las Vegas and April 24th at Talladega. Honestly, you can't help but pull for Ty Dillon and hope that this could launch his career, and finally get him in really possibly a top-notch cup car. Maybe it could be Joe Gibbs Racing. Maybe it could be 23XI if Denny Hamlin. I think it's only a matter of time until Denny Hamlin expands that team. So real quick, the Xfinity Series schedule for 2021, as I mentioned, today is the season opener at Daytona International Speedway. And then next Saturday, they will be running at Daytona again, but on the road course, taking the place of Auto Club Speedway, who had to cancel their races this year because of COVID-19. February 27th, Homestead Miami Speedway. March 6th, Las Vegas. March 13th, Phoenix. March 20th at Atlanta. That is Kyle Busch's first Xfinity Series race this year. Don't forget, he said... If he gets to 100 Xfinity Series wins this year, that he will retire from Xfinity Series racing. Then we have the Dash for Cash races, April 9th at Martinsville. That was a race that Dale Earnhardt Jr. wanted to run. He has not announced yet what his lone Xfinity race for 2021 will be. And he's splitting that eight car with Josh Berry. Miguel Polito is going to do three Xfinity Series races, the Daytona Road Course, Circuit of the Americas in Mid-Ohio. And Sam Mayer, when he turns 18, the day of the Pocono race, he will drive that car the rest of the year. So we go to Talladega on April 24th. Then we go to Darlington on May 8th. There has been some talk that that could be Dale Earnhardt Jr.'s only Xfinity Series race of 2021, Mother's Day Eve at Darlington. He ran that race two years ago on Labor Day weekend. I went down there to see it, and it had the energy of a Cup Series race. May 15th, Dover, the last of the Dash for Cash races. May 22nd, Circuit of the Americas in Austin, Texas. Kyle Busch will be in that race. May 29th, Charlotte. 
June 5th, Mid-Ohio is back on the schedule after it was canceled last year because of COVID-19. June 12th, Texas, the day before the All-Star Race. June 19th, Nashville Super Speedway, back on the schedule after a 10-year hiatus. Kyle Busch is going to be in that race. June 27th, Sunday, Pocono Raceway, right before the second cup race of that weekend. July 3rd, we go to Road America, and Kyle Busch is going to be in that race as well. As a matter of fact, I believe, yeah, I believe that Kyle Busch will also be doing the Xfinity Series race at Texas on June 12th. I'll have to check on that. July 10th at Atlanta, his Joe Gibbs teammate, Martin Truex Jr., his first Xfinity Series race since 2010 at Homestead Miami Speedway. July 17th, back at New Hampshire after that was canceled last year because of COVID-19, along with Watkins Glen on August 7th. August 14th, the road course, the infield road course at Indianapolis Motor Speedway. August 21st, Michigan International Speedway after that was canceled last year. August 27th, Daytona, September 4th, Darlington. As we all know, that is the lone race that Denny Hamlin runs every year in Xfinity. September 11th, doubleheader at Richmond, Xfinity Series in the afternoon before the Cup Series race at night. And then the regular season finale for the Xfinity Series, September 17th at Bristol. The round of 12 is September 25th, starting at Las Vegas. October 2nd is Talladega Super Speedway. Talladega, you know, last year they had a second race there in the fall because of COVID. But now it seems like having two Xfinity races at Talladega just like they started at Daytona in 2002, it looks like that will be a part of the schedule. And the cutoff race for the round of 12 is October 9th, the Charlotte Roval. Now on to the round of 8, October 16th, my birthday, Texas Motor Speedway. October 23rd, Kansas. And then the cutoff race, October 30th, Martinsville Speedway. And then, of course, the Championship 4, just like last year, the Championship 4 race will be November 6th in Phoenix. So my picks for the 2021 NASCAR Xfinity Series playoff field, I'm going to start at the bottom. 12th, Ryan Sieg, that family team out of Georgia, like I said, getting their cars and engines this year from Ford. 11th is Riley Herbst. I mean, he's got some big, big shoes to fill going over to Stuart Haas Racing taking over a car that won nine races last year with Chase Briscoe. But to me, Riley Herbst, no matter how much money he may have and, and the backing from Monster Energy, I just still don't see it. Tenth is Michael Annette. And I like obviously I like Michael because he drives for Dale Earnhardt Jr. He did win his his first Xfinity series race at Daytona two years ago in February. But obviously he hasn't run to the standard of Justin Allgaier and Noah Gregson, and even the number eight Xfinity Junior Motorsports car, no matter how many drivers that has had in it. Ninth is Daniel Hemrick. Like I said, I'm hoping. Daniel is a really, really good kid. He's from Kannapolis, North Carolina. I'm really hoping that this is the year that he could finally win a NASCAR Xfinity Series race because, I mean, this is Joe Gibbs Racing, and I hate to say it, but if he doesn't get it done – I can't even imagine what that's going to do for his career. Eighth is Jeb Burton. I think Jeb, honestly, Jeb is one of my dark horse picks for today. 
Last year, he was in this race driving the eight car. He dominated the race, only to get swept up in the big one late. I think Jeb, and obviously we know his father, Ward, won the 2002 Daytona 500. And I do feel like Jeb will be a first-time winner in the Xfinity Series this year. It could be later this evening, but I don't know. A.J. Allmendinger, his teammate. I feel like A.J. definitely has the capabilities to be a part of the championship four, especially with Martinsville being the cutoff race. And, of course, we know how much of a threat he is going to be at Austin Cindric these road course races. Sixth is Brandon Jones. I felt like Brandon took a very, very big step last year. Winning at Phoenix in March, beating Kyle Busch before the season was shut down because of the pandemic, and then beating Austin Cindric at Kansas Speedway in July. Boone, forgive me, buddy. But fifth, I have Justin Moneymaker Haley. I'm right on that fringe. I'm right on that fringe of him being back in the championship four. And obviously with Justin, I feel like he is going to be remarkable today. And I know that's your pick. And whether or not he's my pick for today, we're going to find out here in just a little bit. And I do feel like he's very, very good at road courses. I feel like he improved a lot on short tracks this year. I'm just curious as far as the mile and a halfs are concerned. My picks for the championship four in the Xfinity Series. Fourth is Harrison Burton. Harrison, he finished the end of 2020 on a tear, but wasn't able to be a part of the championship four because of some electrical issues at the Charlotte Roval. And then when you know it, he wins at Texas, and he wins at Martinsville, a track that his father Jeff dominated in the early 90s as far as the Xfinity Series was concerned. So I do feel like Harrison, he definitely has the team capable of making it to the championship four. And also, third on my list is Noah Gregson. That number nine car for Junior Motorsports came so close to making the Daytona 500 the other night. With Noah, the thing is, once again, for the second year in a row, I feel like Noah is a very, very worthy candidate of the 48 car for 2022 because let's not forget Alex Bowman only has a one-year contract and you know he may be on the pole for the Daytona 500 but at the end of the day once again like Larry McReynolds says they don't give the Harley J. Errol trophy out on Wednesday night okay so this is a make-or-break year for both of them Alex Bowman has to perform and if Noah Gregson has a year like Chase Briscoe had last year, winning tons of races and making it to the championship four. If I'm Rick Hendrick, I'm telling Alex Bowman to pack his bags. I'm putting Noah Gregson in that 48 car come 2022. Now, of course, another scenario is, you know, Chip Ganassi, who's really, really good friends with Rick Hendrick. And now we're getting all of these subliminal hints that Kurt Busch could be retiring. Well, sure enough, the number one car there is a possibility that Noah could be the one to take over the one car if Kurt Busch does retire from full-time competition because Kurt Busch is from Las Vegas, Noah Gregson's from Las Vegas, and Noah also drove two years for Kyle Busch in the truck series. As far as my championship pick, I feel like it's going to be just like last year all over again. 
And Austin Sendrick, you know, tomorrow he gets to make his cup debut in the Daytona 500, and he's going to run several other cup races this year. I would imagine some of them are going to be road courses, without a doubt, the Indianapolis road course on August 15th. Austin last year showed that he's not just a road course racer. He showed it last year. And when he dominated that doubleheader weekend at Kentucky Speedway, winning on Thursday night and Friday night in convincing fashion, I think that was when we were finally able to get rid of that narrative, oh, he can only win on road courses. And then the next week, being awarded the win at Texas Motor Speedway when Kyle Busch was disqualified. And sure enough, he did live up to his road course standard. He dominated the races at Road America and the Daytona Road Course. And at Phoenix, an absolutely clutch performance by him at the end of that race, passing Noah Gregson and Justin Allgaier to win the championship. But that's the thing. Up until that last caution in the Xfinity Series race, this you know, Justin Allgaier had a remarkable shot at winning that championship. And of course, that whole debate to pit or to not pit, you know, Jason Burdett keeping Justin Allgaier out there, and Brian Wilson, on the other hand, bringing Austin Cendrick in for tires, and sure enough, the moves that, that Austin made at the end of that race to pass him and to win the championship. And while I did pick Sheldon Creed to go back-to-back, in the truck series as far as championships go. And I was very, very on the fence about possibly picking Austin Sendrick to go back-to-back in Xfinity. My pick to win the 2021 NASCAR Xfinity Series Championship. I do feel like this will finally be Justin Allgaier's year. And I know that I said that last year, and I came pretty damn close to having it happen. But Justin, he finished third in the championship in 2011, 2016, 2017, and he was second last year. He's got all the confidence in the world. This is his sixth season at Junior Motorsports, and him and Jason Burdett, it just seems like they got better as the year went on, and they had so much momentum on their side. So my pick to win the 2021 NASCAR Xfinity Series Championship, Justin Allgaier in the number seven, Brant Chevrolet. Now for today's NASCAR Xfinity Series race at Daytona International Speedway, and I love the title of this race, Beef. It's What's for Dinner, 300. <laughs> Daytona International Speedway, 5 o'clock on Fox Sports 1. Adam Alexander, Clint Boyer, and Tony Stewart with the call. That is going to be one epic booth right there. Now, the NASCAR Xfinity Series, one of the best ways that I could describe the top three series of NASCAR for someone that's new and someone that's trying to get into the sport. The best way that I could describe it is, obviously, the Cup Series, that's like the NHL. That is like the upper echelon. The Xfinity Series, it's kind of like the AHL. And I would say the Trek Series is like the ECHL. So, you know, that, that's kind of the way that I label the top three series of NASCAR as far as hockey terms are concerned. And, of course, I know a lot of other people, they refer to the Xfinity Series as basically the college football of NASCAR. The only difference is 
you have all these cup guys that come in and run these races like Kyle Busch, Denny Hamlin, Martin Trex Jr. is going to come back and do a race this year. I haven't heard anything about Brad Keselowski, Joey Logano, Ryan Blaney. Joey and Blaney, they didn't do any Xfinity Series races last year. Brad only did one race, and it was at Phoenix in March before the pandemic. I mean, sponsorship is very, very hard to acquire, even for these cup drivers. And that's the thing, you know, there has always been that debate. Oh, these, you know, like, oh, these, these damn cup drivers coming down, cup drivers coming down and, and running, you know? And while I, I get where they're, they're coming from, what people don't understand is a lot of times it's the sponsors that want the cup drivers to be representing their brand. And I mean, really, when you think of it, you know, if you're Hellman's, you're going to want Dale Earnhardt Jr. in that car instead of Justin Allgaier or Noah Gregson. Obviously, up until last year, if you're, say, Menards, you'll want Brad Keselowski or Joey Logano or, you know, Ryan Blaney driving driving for you. And obviously with, with M&M's and Mars, Kyle Busch. Although, like, Interstate Batteries, you know, they're, they're, they've sponsored they've sponsored Brandon Jones and Harrison Burton, so on and so forth. But my point is, like I said, that's, that's why you have cup drivers in these Xfinity Series races. The amazing thing about the Xfinity Series, or the Bush Series, as I still like to call it, it all began at Daytona 39 years ago today, the very first NASCAR Bush Series race. Daytona International Speedway, and it was won by none other than Dale Earnhardt. Amazingly, in a car built by his ex-father-in-law, Robert G. And sure enough, you had plenty of cup drivers in that race. Jeff Bodine, Harry Gant, to name a few. You know, like that, that's, that's just the way that this series has always been. Like I said, whether it was Dale Earnhardt, Jeff Bonine, eventually guys like Daryl Waltrip, Dale Jarrett, Mark Martin, having cup drivers take part in the Xfinity Series, that's just the way that it's been. But it's crazy to think that it all began at Daytona 39 years ago today. And Dale Earnhardt won seven NASCAR Bush Series races at Daytona International Speedway, including five in a row from 1990 to 1994. And ever since then, the only guys that ever came close to him to winning that many Bush Series races at Daytona International Speedway, sure enough, one of them was Dale Earnhardt Jr. He won six Bush Series races at Daytona International Speedway and won this race, the February race, three years in a row from 2002 to 2004 in some beautiful Oreo paint schemes. Then, of course, we got Tony Stewart, and that's what's so fitting about Tony being in the booth for this race. You know, Tony... Tony didn't win as many Xfinity Series races like Dale Earnhardt Jr. and Senior or Kyle Busch or Kevin Harvick or Brad Keselowski. Tony only won 11 Xfinity Series races in his career. But of those 11, seven of them were at Daytona, including a remarkable four years in a row winning the February race at Daytona from 2008 to 2011. And came so close to making it five in a row in 2012, only get wrecked at the last corner. And sure enough, the final Xfinity Series win of his career for right now, 2013, February at Daytona. He wanted to do the Xfinity race at Indianapolis last year on the road course on the 4th of July, 
but with it being home and being from Indiana, but obviously with there not being any fans there, Tony said, what's the point? So when I look at this race and I look at this lineup, today it's going to come down to two organizations, Junior Motorsports and Colleague Racing. Junior Motorsports itself, they have won eight races at Daytona International Speedway with eight different drivers. And, of course, the first one right off the bat, none other than the owner himself, Dale Earnhardt Jr., and that beautiful number three Wrangler tribute to his father in 2010 when he was going into the NASCAR Hall of Fame. Like I said, Junior Motorsports, they have had so much success at Daytona to win with eight different drivers. Now, aside from Dale Earnhardt Jr., the other ones that have emerged victorious for them at the Daytona International Speedway. 2014, it was Regan Smith in the February race and Casey Kane on the 4th of July. Then in 2016, Chase Elliott on the eve of his Daytona 500 debut. And then in 2017, William Byron, Willie B., Woo! winning the July race at Daytona International Speedway. And I remember Dale Jarrett saying after that race was over, if I'm Rick Hendrick, I know everybody has been talking about putting Alex Bowman in the 88 car for 2018, but they have to consider William Byron at this point. And I'll tell you, me and Sean Rosansky, we were absolutely fired up hearing that. And we were hoping that it was going to be Willie B that would have taken over that 88 car. But obviously it wasn't meant to be. The other one I wanted was Kyle Larson. And sure enough, he's kind of technically taking over that car, even though it's been renumbered to five. Anyway, Tyler Reddick, he won this race in 2018. Then in 2019, Michael Annette won this race. And of course, last year, like I said, Noah Gregson scoring the first Xfinity Series win of his career. So Junior Motorsports and Colleague Racing. And like I said, you know, Colleague, a lot of their success has come at Daytona and Talladega. And, of course, like I said, Jason Boone's favorite Xfinity Series driver, Justin Moneymaker Haley. I love telling the story time and time again. The August race last year, he put down, I think it was maybe seven bucks, nine bucks on, on Haley. And sure enough, the last corner, the entire top four crashes, and Justin Haley comes out of nowhere to win this race. And I just remember talking to him on the phone after that race was over, and he was going absolutely nuts. It was great. But last year, Colleague Racing, they did win five Xfinity Series races. Of those five Xfinity Series races, three of them were Daytona or Talladega. And all with Justin Moneymaker Haley. He swept Talladega in June and October. And like I said, that crazy, and I mean crazy win in August. Of course, the other ones, A.J. Allmendinger, he won at Atlanta and the Charlotte Roval. So, like Boone and I talked about, it's, it's really, really hard to win consecutive races on restricted plate racetracks. You know, for him to win three consecutive restricted plate races in the Xfinity Series, Talladega, Daytona, Talladega, again. You know, doing, like I said, being able to do that, and for Junior Motorsports to try and win the February race at Daytona for the fourth year in a row. 
Ultimately, like I said, I feel like this will be a race dominated by Chevrolet and by those two organizations. And I feel like one streak will remain alive and another one will be snapped. And ultimately, I am going to take Justin Moneymaker Haley to win the season opener at Daytona International Speedway later this evening. I feel like they could get this race in. I don't know if they're going to get the full race in because there is the potential for some some rain on the way. But yeah, Justin Moneymaker Haley, my pick, and obviously Boone's pick to win the season opener for the NASCAR Xfinity Series at Daytona International Speedway. And speaking of Boone, tomorrow, the 63rd Daytona 500. And what's going to happen tomorrow is I will be recording in the morning and Boone's going to be on. And we will talk about the Daytona 500. We're going to talk about what to expect for the 2021 season. Obviously, a lot of new racetracks, whether it's Circuit of the Americas, Road America, Nashville, the Indianapolis Road Course. We're going to talk about it. Obviously, some big superstar teams that we now have with Michael Jordan and Bubba Wallace, and Pitbull, and Daniel Suarez. There's a lot to look forward to when it comes to the 2021 NASCAR season and the Daytona 500. And it's like Sean Rosansky always says, this feels like Christmas Eve. It really, really does. The day before the Daytona 500. And before the show's over and we give our picks for the Daytona 500 and for the championship and the playoffs. Of course, as you guys know, one of my favorite things to do best memories of the Daytona 500 especially and then of course next Thursday will be a very very special and undoubtedly emotional show as it will be the 20th anniversary of when we lost Dale Earnhardt and I will be providing my analysis on the ESPN piece that's going to air tomorrow at noon and just how far the safety has come in NASCAR ever since that horrible day, February 18th, 2001. So like I said, Justin Moneymaker Haley, my pick to win this evening at Daytona International Speedway. Have a great day. Enjoy the race. Like I said, this is like Christmas Eve. So enjoy it all. And me and Boone will be on here tomorrow to preview the 63rd Daytona 500. Y'all take it easy.